Welcome to the Ringer Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to godly marriages and the trials we all face. Our goal here is to strengthen, encourage, and educate through the personal experiences we've gained in our 15 years of difficult bliss. We aren't licensed counselors or pastors, but we are experts on just about everything your relationship can weather. We've been through the Ringer, and we're still standing. Everybody. We're back. Tuesday. Tuesday at one o'clock. One o'clock, yeah. I uh He should be at work. Should be. Got an unexpected uh half day off or partial day off, uh due to my back brakes locking up and catching on fire as I was driving down the road. Like a real fire. Yeah. So I uh stopped it at a stoplight and I had smoke billowing out and uh had to hurriedly get to the job site because I didn't want to involve the police department or the fire department. So I uh, I went to the job site and quickly found a bucket and doused it with water. And so uh, Jessica came and got me. So now my truck is in Lebanon, Lebanon, Tennessee, and I'm at home. And I say we just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah, we're waiting on our buddy Daryl to go fix it yeah, again. He, if you need a mechanic, he's the guy. You probably don't. Yeah. Not. I don't know anyone else that does this. Yeah. I suggest you don't even attempt it at at all. Yes. But whatever. We get the day off together. So we've already went to, we did our Walmart date already. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Zucchini and uh, corn. We're going to have, we're going to have some pork steak tonight. Yeah. I've I've decided to change my diet. I got on the scales (laughs) Saturday night, I think it was. And, uh. It was kind of eye-opening, and which, you know, she says I carry it well, but, you know, I know what I look like with a shirt off. I do, too. I didn't realize you had gotten to that poundage. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, but I meant to tell you, last night, before I took my shower, you know, I had full of food, supper, right. and all that, weighed myself, and I was actually two pounds, four ounces lighter. See? So. Because I immediately started taking care of you that's right it just works like magic that's right also last week sometime I, we posted or i posted on facebook if anything's posted unless he signs it it's going to be mine mm-hmm. but i posted that he was a stud and that everybody needs a husband like him well it's yeah. because i was at a grocery store like a legitimate grocery store after i picked the kids up and we had gone because I didn't want to go to Walmart. I just wanted to run in and grab food items and not deal with it. So thank God I didn't. But I was at the grocery store. I was leaving. And a dude walks out of the, the door. And he points at me, which is never a good thing. And so I rolled my window down. He's like, your tire's going flat. Like, I hear it. <laughs> thank you. So I pulled over to a parking spot and waited for... A little bit. Yeah. For Rusty to come and plug my my run flat tires. Yeah. My stupid run flat tires. They ran until they were flat, I guess, though. I guess that's what it means. I guess. They'll run until they're flat. German cars are very finicky and very, um, well, they're just girly. Yeah. They don't come with spare either. Not mine. I think others do. Mine is like, I don't know. I really don't because they want you to use it assist yeah and to buy the tire insurance yeah so you don't get a spare or a jack nothing or a lug wrench or anything so i'm just standing there helpless thankfully he was 
really close to our house and was able to get to the grocery store and rescue me. Yep. That was interesting, too. And then I made out with my mechanic in the parking lot, and that was really funny. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was. But uh, what else has happened between now and There's something else I was thinking about we needed to talk about. Oh, we went to see John Christ. Yes. We went to see... Uh, we went to his show that's on... Well, I think it was the next last stop on his Human Being Tour. Mm-hmm. It was the best break we've had oh, yeah, it was so awesome. long. <laughs> it was... John and another comedian named Dustin Nickerson and then the featured Aaron Weber. He's actually from Nashville. Yeah. Found out he's from Alabama, not not exactly from Nashville. Yeah. He moved here like everybody else does. Shout out to Dustin Nickerson and his podcast. He's got a funny podcast. He's got a really I really like his podcast. It's called Don't Make Me Come Back There. Yeah. And if you I want something else to listen to while we take our extended breaks like we have had to. Yeah. Don't make me come back there. It's a it's something you can listen to in front of your kids because it's clean and it's funny and it's basically Dustin well it is just Dustin having conversations with other comedians. I think all but one so far has been a comedian and their take on family and kids and yeah. relationships. I mean it's a good it's a good match for this. It's yeah. just really funny. Dustin's yeah. funny, and his part of the show was really one of my favorite parts because mm-hmm. he's he the two of us think very similarly. Yeah, and we respond exactly <clears throat> the same. Well, at least in his show, but uh, it was a very very good show. It was a good night. Well, we posted that picture of the oh, and they chose our picture to go on their big screen. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, so we got what, like, 10 to go on? Yeah, we got like three seconds of fun. We felt big. The girls loved it. Yeah. They had a really good time. And then celebrated Easter this weekend. Easter was very nice. We went to church Saturday. Yeah. To make room for all the... We had 9,000 people. Good grief. 9,000 people from... I don't know if it was every service, if they yeah. included Thursday. We had service Thursday... And then Saturday, we had three services, one at our big campus and one at the, no, two at the big campus, one at the small. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> Sunday, we had six, you know, yeah. three each. I don't know if it's 9,000 for all three days, mm-hmm. but I know that we had to open the uh, student center so we'd have extra seating. Yeah. So we always opt to go on Saturday just to make room for a family of four that may only come on Easter and right. Christmas. Right. So we do also do that with the Christmas Eve service. But anyway, it was a really good weekend. Yep. He took Friday off, which did make it a very good Friday. Mm-hmm. And then I get spoiled to him being home. Yeah. It's not fun for you to go back on Monday. I still smell like burnt brake dust. I don't smell you and at all. I can still smell it on me. And I normally, I smell like a pregnant woman constantly, so. Yeah. If I can't smell you, you don't smell. Okay. It must be because you put out a fire. Probably so. Yeah. yeah. You didn't know you married a firefighter, too. No, I know you're a jack of many trades. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So today, I guess, you know, we're going to, I want to try to keep this subject as light as possible, the, the episode topic today, because it's, it can get really um, heavy. Because it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. But we're talking about addiction. Mm-hmm. And 
if you've all listened like you should have to the beginning of our podcast, with like episode one or two, whatever, it we talked about Rusty's addiction to narcotics, mm-hmm. pain medicine, yeah, and where that came from, and his ultimate arrest and the end of well that phase of our lives. Yeah. Thank God that chapter was super short, right? But. Well, the bad part was the maintenance is still, it's an ongoing thing, but addiction is, is a, well, it's prevalent everywhere. I think a lot more people deal with it than people realize. And I'm not talking just drugs. No. I'm talking anything that takes your attention away from the rest of everything else. Right. If you can't divert your attention, there's a reason that you keep going back to whatever it is you can't let go of. Like, you've got... First of all, you do have drugs. Drugs mm-hmm. is... Drugs is... Drugs are terrible. Yeah. I mean, they always have been. I grew up in an area where that was a huge source of income, was uh, manufacturing. Yeah. And, well, I don't know. Did you? Uh, from what I understand, the town where I grew up was was I mean there was quite a bit of, of drugs I was such there but I, I mean I you know I didn't even I didn't know. see pot until college yeah my, my my circle of friends I mean we didn't mess with any of that I mean we didn't see it or hear about it or anything no we I mean we saw it we saw it but like an actual yeah no. I, mean, with, I mean there were a lot of pot smokers I didn't even know then we, we were as drinkers as far as like you know nothing like now with with the abuse of, with the, uh, you know, prescriptions. I'm sure that was there too. Because, oh, I'm sure, yeah. you know, small, uh, yeah. but whatever. We have substances like alcohol also. Alcohol is probably less noticeable, but more of a problem, I think, because it's easier to access alcohol. Well, I think, I mean, I've got, I've got friends say on Facebook that uh, I mean you would never look at them and say they're an alcoholic but you know they can't live without their five glasses of wine every evening every post is about I need this I right. need it okay so okay how about a foot rub will that relax you more right I mean I, really, I, I don't have a problem with drinking with you know having your glass of wine and I don't care I don't yeah. care at all but once once it becomes the only way you can relax, mm-hmm. probably need to reassess what's going on. Yeah. But then you have alcohol, that which you had alcohol or alcoholism in your family. Am I yeah. right? Yeah. And My both sides. Maternal are, grandmother. That always made me really nervous, and yeah. then there was a reason. So. Yeah. And then you have. Um, oh, sorry, my hips are killing me. Then you have things like gambling and food addiction and mm-hmm. technology addiction and sex addiction, and which mm-hmm. is also, I would say porn would go right in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can either, the physical sex or right. Pearl. screen time sex. Pearl. Stop it. It is not time. Go lay down. Pearl or doodle just walked up with a tennis ball in her mouth. Because she knows what we're doing. Yep. But... Anything, anything at all that takes more time or more of your time, more of your brain power than everyday life. Yeah. 
and you find out it's the only way you can actually get through everyday life, mm-hmm. that's an addiction. Whatever it is, you can turn anything into an addiction. Yeah. The ones that I listed with actual names are the ones that are you know, people treat. Mm-hmm. People go to counseling for all of those. So, but should we recap what we went through real quick? I, it, just in case someone's jumping right in because it says addiction. Yeah, in, in my story, um, it started off when my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and the hospice physician uh, just unloaded tons of narcotic pain pills at her house. I mean, hundreds and hundreds. They, they came to the door. Yeah, I mean, in huge bottles. Yeah. And uh, and one day, uh, I, did I hurt my back? Or? No, that happened before, and okay. that was very innocent. It was one where you hurt your back, and I gave you, Aubrey was a brand new baby. Yeah. And I knew that it, it hurt, and I thought, well, yeah. I've got a lower tab left. It's only five milligram. Right. It will help him so he can move. Yeah. And actually get that tension out of your back. But I'm going to watch him. Yeah. So I gave you one. And it wasn't 10 minutes later you told me, man, that makes me feel good. <laughs> and I went and poured every single one down the toilet yeah. and flushed them. Because I, just from knowing, my mom is was... A nurse, but that was before my mom was diagnosed. Right, that, that was because right? Aubrey was a baby. See, my memory's so I know foggy from that, and yeah. that happened. Yeah, but I gave you that, and I immediately told you you cannot. And that was the first you had ever had mm-hmm. in your life. And I said you can't have another one because I I kept going back to the alcoholism in your family yeah. because I knew you had a trigger in your brain mm-hmm. that anything like that would turn it on. Right. So anyway, you took that one, yeah. and that was it. No ill effects. Mm-hmm. You got up to went to work the next day. Yeah. But then, when your mom, when you were just so bogged down with the emotions, yeah, of you knowing that your mom's only got a few weeks yeah. to live. So yeah, so my mom had these. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of of time release oxy. It was oxycontin. Yeah, and. I took one of those. I mean, tiny pills. Because you remembered that the narcotics I gave you was like... Yeah. And so I took it, and, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, it was like, man, I'm really not that upset anymore about my mom. Yeah. Kids aren't hard. I mean, we had a brand new baby. Yeah. And, man, life's pretty good. Yeah. And, again, it was time release, so it lasted 12 hours. You did that, what, three months? I think so. I think it was a three-month period. He just... Yeah. call out enough yeah and he'd take as many as he needed which is scary because he took more than he should have right but even back then my body started started building resistance yeah um, and experiencing withdrawals if yeah you know if I didn't have it and then you ran out because as soon as she passed away yeah, they came was, and yeah. gathered it all up yeah. and cut the, off you know your dad's like cool yeah you know it's out of my house I don't want it around either and I'm like holy crap what am I gonna do yeah and it turned into an episode where I think it was a two week long one because, because your first withdrawal was your longest first you have you have more, yeah, multiple, yeah. more than one that's right but your first withdrawal was a two-week period and it was and I'm not going to say it was unfun it's 
really hard on your body. Yeah. Just to give people an idea, because not many people know what a withdrawal looks like. Yeah. And it's since it's not just the drugs leaving your system, it's actually you losing that chemical that your brains produce mm-hmm. with an addiction. Your body is needing that. Yeah. And so your body also freaks out as you're losing the chemicals you've been yeah. used to in your body or your other the synthetic chemicals. So good Lord, it was just, it was hard. Well, you know, with any addiction, um, and we were talking about this the other day, you know, when you, when you take a pill or you look at a website or what, take a drink or whatever yeah. it is, um, you know, your brain releases those pleasure chemicals. Hey, I like this. And yeah, the dopamine and the serotonin and, and to your brain that becomes the new normal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like, that's the baseline it's, it's been raised. And so when, when the drugs get out of your system or your body quits producing the extra dopamine. Right, right. Then it's like, hey, you're screwing me up here. You need that to get back to normal. You Okay, just mm-hmm. a, an example that has nothing to do with synthetic chemicals. Mm-hmm. You take a child, and I'm going to use ours because they're both completely addicted to their phones. Okay. But And we're about to fix that. Yeah. But um, if you were to take a kid who is constantly on their phone, like a whole summer, mm-hmm. you take it away from them. That fit that they throw, the tantrum, even a teenager, mm-hmm. it's not just them mad, being mad at you for taking it away. It's actually a physical reaction to not having that thing in their hand yeah. that creates the good feeling in their brain. Mm-hmm. And it's not, their eyes aren't working like they normally do. They have to readjust. And it may take you a couple of weeks because yeah. that's an actual withdrawal mm-hmm. from something that they had become addicted to right so it's it works the same for every addiction Mm -hmm. even food Mm -hmm. i'm I'm gonna be honest and tell you that i i don't have that problem i've never there's never been anything i couldn't just put down and walk away from yeah ever except you you're my addiction yeah but i I, everybody else is way different than me Mm -hmm. i mean I mean, I don't, I've never even been like, ooh, I need a beer tonight. Yeah. I love beer, mm-hmm. but I'm not like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't need it. I mean, even if we were to go out to a bar, I could sit there and do nothing mm-hmm. and drink water. Yeah. So, but I know that I am a very small percentage of the population. As I'm taking a sip of coffee. Oh, wait. I am addicted. I'm not really addicted to it, though. I just like it. Yeah. I could stop it. Yeah. I don't know that I could and stay awake. Yeah. I'd be tired, but I'd be mm-hmm. fine. I promise. I just like coffee. I'm not stopping it. Yeah. Get off my back. So anyway, mm-hmm. you went through that with your mom. You went through your first major withdrawal. Yeah. You got a kidney stone a year later. Right. And they prescribed you narcotics. Mm-hmm. Again, into your system after we both agreed no more. Right. We didn't know until we walked out, and we actually got into Walgreens to pick it up. We had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that's where the big, bad addiction happened. Yeah. And that's where he started pharmacy shopping and created his own right. 
written prescription that no one turned down. Yeah. Except for a small pharmacy in Robertsdale, <laughs> and then yeah. they, they flagged your butt. Yeah, they did. But um, that's when he was arrested, and we went through all that. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, I was going to say, it gets to the point, especially when you're talking about, you know, drugs and what your body's acclimated to and what it needs to function normally. And, you know, you reach a point with, you know, whether it's drugs or whatever it is, you know, you reach a point where uh, that becomes the most important thing in your life. Well, that's why I was trying to emphasize how bad the withdrawal was. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it's something that you were trying to stave off. Mm -hmm. You were trying to keep that from every day after you took them like you were supposed to. Right. And it, I mean, you had to have more. If not, you started that, that familiar feeling of, it feels like you're coming out of your skin. Oh, it's, But your skin's like on fire. And then you're also, but you're so uncomfortable, it's hard to describe. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. <laughs> I understand because it happened after I had surgery. Not mm-hmm. on purpose. I took it exactly the way I was supposed to. Yeah. But my body reacted once I was done with, you know, my pain was under control. But my body still reacted mm-hmm. that same way, just mm-hmm. in a smaller amount. Yeah. I didn't like it. Well, see, the thing about withdrawals, though, is you see stories on the news about, you know, how somebody robbed a Walgreens or, um, you know, something like that and, and got narcotics. And having been there, I totally understand that because, you know, when you, when you experience the withdrawals that I experienced, I mean, you will do anything to keep yeah. from going through that. And so, and I'm not trying to give a pass to people no, to do but stuff you can like understand that, it. but I totally understand it. I mean, had we not had the, um, have we not had the the finances back then yeah. where I could afford it? I would have done the same thing. I know. I would have stolen. I know you would have. It was just, it, and it's not just uncomfortable. It there was one time that he experienced the worst round of withdrawals. I really thought he was going to die in the middle of the I night. I thought I was going to die. It was. I didn't sleep the whole night just so I could make sure he was breathing when I got up or he didn't try to kill himself while I was asleep because it was that bad. And once that bad part was over, it took about, I'd say, eight hours, mm-hmm. six to eight hours yeah. for that. Ooh. There's a reason they do the anesthesia withdrawals for people. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about right after we moved here? Yeah. That one? <clears throat> the reason that one was so bad was because uh, I went to a physician right after we moved to Tennessee in 2008. I went to a physician and I said, hey, look, I've got a problem, you know, with narcotics. And I need, and I'd heard of this medicine. We agree that you yeah. were going. And I had heard about this medicine that would, uh, that would bind to the opiate receptors in your brain, but wouldn't give you the high. And... Um, so I went and met with him, and I thought, man, this is like, uh, I mean, people call it a miracle drug because it saved, you know, tons of lives. So I thought, well, hey, you know, I'll definitely try this too. And he told me, the doctor told me, he said, now, don't take this. And it was a sublingual pill that dissolves under your tongue. 
He said, don't take this until you start experiencing withdrawal symptoms. Right. And, uh, you know, so... But you had just had a fentanyl patch on your arm. Fentanyl? Yeah. And so I get home and I'm like, well, I'll take half of one. I mean, it can't be that bad. Well, what I didn't understand was any drugs you have in your system that have, you know, binded to the receptors... This drug, this anti-narcotic mm-hmm. drug, it knocks all those off your receptors. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And I mean, throws you into withdrawal that instantly. Bad withdrawal. And yeah, that night, uh, like you said, it was probably eight or 12 hours long, but... Um, You're like eight or 60 hours long. I mean, that was that was honestly one of the... The only nights in my life where I thought I would rather die. Oh, I know. I would rather just go outside That's why and I stayed awake. blow my head off. I know. Because, I mean, it was that bad. Yeah. So. So, we've been through three rounds. Yeah. And he's not only, you would think, you would think that you going through those withdrawal symptoms, mm-hmm. the ones that are so bad. Right. Even the less bad ones. But you would think that those alone would keep you from heading back into that lifestyle. Yeah. But the the draw to the good feeling and the draw to the no worries sometimes will outweigh the bad stuff. It's just like having another baby. That's not fun. For nine months, for me, it was not fun. Twice. But I did it after Aubrey. I did it again. But you yeah. just your your brain tricks you into thinking that that payoff of the drugs or alcohol or whatever is better. You know, the I guess the risks are worth it. Yeah. But they're not, and yeah. we learned that. Oh yeah, big time. But I am happy to say that I have been clean for eleven years now. Twelve. Twelve years. Twelve years. Twelve. Yeah. No. 11. 11, yeah. I'm thinking 2007 because that was your arrest. So that right. That. that whole relapse when you moved here, that, I, don't, I don't even know what to think about that one. I don't know. Because, I guess because we didn't really have any support system in place other than me. Right. And then you for me. Right. But we didn't have anyone other than us to, to I don't know, talk to about. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, the things that threw you back into wanting those drugs. Yeah. He'll never do it again. No. Absolutely never. Even one day he's going to be completely free of, and I say that because I want him to be, but completely free of anything that he has to depend on because he still has to depend on that, the anti-narcotic drugs. And people, it's really hard to get those even. Mm -hmm. You have to jump through so many hoops because people have used those. Yeah. So, and I don't, know, I don't even want to say the name because I don't want someone to come break into our house and try to find them. Right. But um, one day I want you to be free of those. Oh, I'd love to. Because yeah. you're still dependent. Oh, yeah. And I do remember that, quit Pearl, I do remember when you tried to get help after you were arrested. Mm-hmm. We called that inpatient place. Was it Bradford House or something like that? But, um, Rusty, Pearl, please go, honey. Rusty told them his history and how long he'd been on 
these pills and how many you took a day. And mm-hmm. They told him, oh, you're just a dependent. You're not an addict. Yeah. I'm like, wait, no. No, I'm a drug addict. Um, you're not doing your job or you're full. <laughs> right. Or you don't know what you're talking about. You need someone else answering the phone. You know, that's when we were trying to find someone to help us. Mm-hmm. And to clean you up. And if we, if someone had been on their toes back then and not just called it a dependency, you probably would have been done by then yeah. after that. But we didn't get the help we needed. I, I would say 10 years later or 10 years from that mm-hmm. helps probably a lot better. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. You have to go for the help, though. Well, I mean, now with, with, the, uh, with the country declaring an opioid crisis... Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a lot more. There's been quite a few busts here yeah. in this state. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I guess I don't watch people much because, we're, you know, everybody minds their own business anymore. But I, I just know from growing up with a medical family that that's always been a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're just now turning their attention to it and they're yeah. trying to stop it or the influx coming from other countries. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're all of a sudden hammering down on it. Yeah. I guess it's a good thing, but also, for, you know, help for the people that are. <coughs> you aren't quite doing that. Sorry. People that um, are addicted, the, you know, seeking it out and doing the crimes that are committed yeah. just to get these. If they would help those people, and if they had a program right. ready for these people yeah. instead of incarceration. Right. It'd be a lot better world. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that just because you were facing either jail time or jail time. Yeah. And, and by the grace of God, your charges were a lot less than yeah. what they should have been. Yeah, no kidding. And so, I mean, if you'd have been incarcerated, you probably would have had more access to drugs there. Probably. Especially in Alabama. Yeah. Than you would have outside. But, but you know, one thing that, that we were talking about earlier is... You know, I that was the first thing on my record mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. And, um, you know, they knew that I got involved in something that I couldn't get out of, you know, by myself. And the the legal system pretty much gave me a break. I mean, they, they took it easy on me, comparatively right. speaking. But the people that we knew down there in Alabama. Well, people we knew any, at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, from from then on, I mean, I was... Uh, basically, I was an outcast. I mean, I was, a, I was a drug addict, you know. You were given the definition or given the um, identity... Yeah. ...of an addict. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. You weren't given the opportunity to make a mistake. Right. And, it, and like I said, it wasn't just people we knew because we had extremely good friends and mm-hmm. they were so supportive. But um, anyone that we know that knows what you went through, yeah. and even if they know that you've been clean mm-hmm. for 11 years, you're still identified as an addict. To them. Right. Like you can't, they can't let you let that go. Right. Even though you and I, that's the last thing mm-hmm. I think about when when someone asks me to describe you. That's, yeah. I would never even think oh, of that. Oh, I know. Yeah. 
it's just it was a very small clip of our lives especially yours I mean you have you've been alive for almost 50 now and out of those 50 you had what three years you had to deal with it with probation yeah (laughs) and you met every requirement and Mm -hmm. you've you came out a yeah. lot better than most people that that do become addicted to things. Mm-hmm. But but that stigma is still it's there. still there. He is not allowed to let it go for some people. Yeah, and it's it's honestly okay. So if you know of someone that is addicted to something, and you all do, everyone does, mm-hmm. give them a chance to prove you wrong. Always look at them as if they've been given a second chance and it's not yours to question. Mm-hmm. It's really not. Even me, if Rusty had said, you know, I'm going to get clean and then I didn't believe that it would stick, mm-hmm. then it's really not my place. Even if I'm your wife, if right. that's your decision and you're strong with it, let them have it. Let them be different. Let them grow. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so addiction, we all know, is, I think they classify it as a disease now. Yeah. So Bradford House or whatever couldn't tell you you were dependent anymore. Right. They would have to evaluate you in person. Right. And I, I swear it's all drug companies and insurance companies working together to make up. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because it's always been a disease. Yeah. And let me, let me say this before I forget it too, but... Like you just said, every one of our listeners probably knows someone that's addicted. Everybody does. uh, To something. And one of the biggest problems I faced when I was going through my drug addiction was I didn't feel like I could tell anybody. Right. Because of the judge, mental, you know, just... Because the no second chance thing. Right. And, And so that kept me from going to anybody and going, hey, I've got a problem and I need some help. And so if if you know of someone that's addicted uh, to whatever, um, man, offer them, I mean, offer them love, offer them, you know, give them a chance. Say, hey, I want to, you know, I want to help you. I don't, you know, I'm not going to look at you and judge you for this. You know, I want to help you. There's the one thing that I've learned in the past couple of years is that I need to stop and listen first. Mm-hmm. So when Rusty, when he found out he was keeping a secret for me, every addiction is always a secret. Right. But when I found out it was that he didn't tell me, it was because he was ashamed. Mm-hmm. I mean, rightfully so. I understand well, yeah. that. And he thought that I would leave him. Mm-hmm. But he had no idea that I was prepared somehow seriously I have no idea how I was prepared but I was prepared and ready to forgive him immediately mm-hmm. and stopping and listening to him and like I, we said in our the ringer episode I just, we just sat out on the porch for hours and I just listened mm-hmm. and I listened and I listened yeah and that's what worked yeah and the last thing I did to you or for you was make you, or I didn't belittle you. Right. I didn't make you feel like less of a human. Because, number one, I knew this was already something that was biological. Mm-hmm. It was something you you had a choice not to do, but once it happened, you couldn't stop it. No, it was a runaway freight train. 
So, you know, anyone that takes it their first sip of alcohol, if they have that trigger in their brain, mm-hmm. they're done unless they ask for help. And that's one thing that you can't do when you have shame and when you're, you feel guilty about what you're doing right. and you're fearful about what the outcome's going to be if you do confess or right. do fess up to it. Yeah. And, and like I said, that was my biggest problem when I went through it. Just being afraid yeah. to say something? I mean, the, the shame and the guilt. And it took you no time when we moved here, though. I mean, you were real quick. Well, it's because I didn't want to get back into that You didn't want to do lifestyle. And we, had, we both know that what we have is uncommon. Yeah. And it's a great gift. Yeah. So we protect that pretty highly. And I mean, yeah, with us, I mean, honesty is truly the best policy. It's always the first thing. And... You know, I knew when when I started messing around with it again, this is going to lead to bad things. Well, you, you, okay, so when you were on the pills, yeah, the longest stretch, the mm-hmm. last stretch, you had you completely changed personalities. You were disconnected mm-hmm. from me and the girls. Right. You were uninterested in anything. I know. You had no appetite. Yeah. You ate weird stuff, like, and that's all you would eat. And so we had like, and this wasn't during the crawl dad phase. Jameson was older then, so there was no. It was like the the atomic fireball. Yeah, I know. He would have these odd secondary addictions yeah. to certain things. Like he would have to eat certain things mm-hmm. every day, all day. Yeah. And so you would have easily gone back into that, and I would have picked up on it. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. So you wouldn't have been able to hide it anyway, but you on your own came to me. Mm. And then I was grateful. I was hurt because it was like, not, not really yet. hurt, not really hurt, but disappointed. Yeah. And I wanted to, to smack you around and go, don't you remember how right. bad that was? But he did it to himself. So mm. he, he, I mean, he, he already knew that. He had already gone through that himself. And I didn't need to be someone that yeah. beat you up to. Right. You can't do it without a support system. Yeah. But the only way, the only way I was able to come to you and go, hey, look, I need to get some help, was because I knew by me being honest with you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't flip out about it. Nope. And again, that's what's keeping a lot of people out there from seeking help. Yeah. Because they think, you know, if I say anything about my addiction, my spouse is going to leave me and I'm going to get fired and this and this and this. So I'd rather just hide it and keep going. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that, well, like I said just a few minutes ago, it's not something I I was prepared for. Yeah. When it, You know, when your husband, who you are just crazy about, comes to you and tells you, or no, when you, they're arrested in front of you, and right. you're like, what? Yeah. You know, you don't, there's no way to be prepared for that if you're yeah. not expecting it. Right. And so... That's the very first time I ever honestly got on my knees and prayed. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that one prayer was what helped, but I am saying that there was no way I did that by myself. Yeah. So, and there's really no way to prepare for something that mm. you're surprised with. Yeah. So if you'll just, okay, just from my perspective, as you know, living with an addict, or a former addict. Right. You just, you've got to stop. Let them, 
let them talk to you. Mm-hmm. Be receptive and listen. Listen. Yeah. And you remember to breathe because you're going to hold your breath the whole time. You're going to get mad. You're going to be sad and disappointed. And but remember, this is not something they chose mm-hmm. to continue. Right. That first time you try it, if you, if you don't know that it's going to flip your brain out, mm-hmm. you don't really don't know that you're getting yourself into anything. Right. You should never try drugs, let's just put it that way. But if you're on something that's prescribed to you mm-hmm. and it triggers it too, I mean, that, yeah. that you would never have known what a narcotic would I mean, there, there's, there's There's probably millions of addicts out there that started completely innocently. Accidental addiction. Yeah. Did I just coin a new phrase? But, you know, that's where... That'd be a good name for a band. Yeah. Accidental addiction. I can make the t-shirts. Yeah. But, you know, you think about the older people who have chronic pain Mm -hmm. because, you know, your body breaks down and they may have had a job that hurt their back. Yeah. You know, and they're now addicted to pain medicine because they were prescribed this pain medicine to help them. You know, it's funny you said that because when I, after I got arrested in 2007, <clears throat> excuse me, I, um, I wasn't, um, I wasn't quiet about it. I mean, nope. everyone at the store we owned knew I had been arrested. Let me just pause right here. Let me tell you a story, a side story. There was a lady that worked for us as an employee in the back mm-hmm. of our store. She found out that Rusty had been arrested and she tells him you should have just come to me I could have gotten you all you wanted yeah my girl you are lucky you're a right. mammal right. and that I'm not going to fire you today because I really want to just strangle you yeah let's not okay yeah. go ahead proceed <laughs> but I but I wasn't um I didn't try and hide it no I mean people that knew me I'd say hey look I got arrested because I was hooked on narcotics yep and there was an older guy that would shop with us every day and um and I was in the office one day, and he came in and sat down in the office, and I said, hey, let me tell you something. And I told him what had gone on, and I said, that, you know, I just, I took him, and my body got used to him, and I couldn't quit. And if I tried to quit, I'd start going, you know, through these severe withdrawals. And, and uh, you know, not really knowing what he's going to say about it, and he's like, oh, I take those every day. He, he had and, been in an accident. Yeah, he had, had back surgery or yeah. something. I don't remember what. But, you know, he was probably in the 60s back then. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm sure today, if he's still alive, he's still taking them today. Oh, he's still alive. You know, he is. Yeah. He's going to be alive until we're all dead. Yeah. But no, I mean, everybody, all the older generation. I was going to say, it's almost like if you're, you know, 60 or above, the doctor's like, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to write it for you. You know, they make me sick in my stomach. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've taken them for every surgery I've had. I've had like 30 surgeries. Yeah. But every one I've had, and I, every tooth that I have that goes crazy, mm-hmm. so, you know. Which is like every week. Every, it, yes. Just about, yeah. Just stop. But... When I take them now, even a lower dosage, they make me nauseated. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. My mom's the same way. She can't take anything that's, well, any NSAID she can take, which yeah. is like ibuprofen. Right. But she can't take anything that's opioids or narcotics or whatever. 
You know, one of the biggest giveaways back then in Alabama was my lack of a sexual appetite. That was a huge nod and about man, something wrong. If, I was going to say, if, uh, well, pretty much any any guy, you know, if, if there's a sudden uh, exponential decrease in sex drive. Don't be watching your husband for that. But, <laughs> then, but if, yeah, but if you notice that, then, you know, there could be an addiction going on. Well, I will say that there's going to be clues no yeah. matter what. I yeah. mean, there, because addiction changes you mm-hmm. and any addiction, even if it's something that's porn yeah that you can keep private because it's on your phone mm-hmm. it changes a person because your your brain chemicals are different mm-hmm. and there's going to be clues or they will leave clues listen pay attention mm-hmm. question if you can come up with questions for for you know if you see things that are going on and you can question them without being accusatory mm-hmm. just to start a conversation you may change their lives yeah I mean you could not fix them, but you could start on that path of let's get you mm-hmm. to a place where this is not a problem. Yeah. So. And it seems like the road to recovery seems like it's, you know, a million years long, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for me, when I was going through this, I thought, um, how am I going to live yeah. without that normal? Yeah. And that was, other than the withdrawals, that was the hardest part. It was really was hard. was learning, relearning how to live life without having some type of, of uh, you know, of high a stimulant. A stimulant, yeah. yeah. Well, we had to teach you. The girls and I had to teach you how to enjoy us again, mm-hmm. because. You not coming from a family with children, lots of kids, you know. Right. They become annoying mm-hmm. when you're you're all you know you're agitated. Your brain's always firing, mm-hmm. and then, like I said, you were not interested in us. Yeah. I mean, you were a good daddy, but you were just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And so after you came down from all that, you had to relearn mm-hmm. that they were fun and yeah. that. They loved you all way too much. Yeah. And, you know, you had to get better because Jameson was going to die the next year and I was going to need you. Right. So. right. But you did. It didn't take you as long as you think it did. Yeah. And then when you got here and you thought you were going to start that over, I think a lot of it was, no, I've got it too good. You know, our kids are fun. Right. I love my wife. That was, I think a lot of that was your block too or your, mm-hmm. your help. Yeah. So I had something I was going to say about addiction that was profound and it's completely gone, which is why I drink coffee. Yeah. Is there anything that... I have no idea. No, I mean, is there anything else you would like to say about... Because you have... You're giving a voice to people that won't talk about things. Yeah. We've sat in front of a crowd of high schoolers. Mm Mm-hmm. They... Shocked them. Yeah, yeah, because we served at the time. We were real heavy into serving mm-hmm. at our church, so they saw us. They some of them knew us from helping with us. Yeah, some of them knew because we they'd gone through us. Yeah, I mean they yeah they knew us from serving at church. Um, you know when I told them I was a pilot and you know flew jets, and 
I mean, you don't expect to to hear have and, a college degree. Yeah, you don't expect to hear. You know, hey, I've got a, a wonderful, beautiful family, and you know, a great job. And what was unique is they had they were able to see you now. Yeah. And then hear about what you had gone through. Right. Without without seeing the ugly first, yeah. it was. I, like, I mean, that and that's what shocked them. Right. Was hearing all that stuff and then going, oh, and oh, I babysit for them. Right. Yeah, we had we did we had several babysitters in the yeah. crowd. It was high schoolers. Yeah, and they were doing a series on addiction, mm-hmm. and the guy that went in front of us, it was just it was just Russ. It was Russ mm-hmm. that night. But when we came out after we served in the children's ministry that night, mm-hmm. they had us come on stage, and we went together because we didn't. It wasn't just you that went through all this. Mm-hmm. It was. It was actually all four of us. The yeah. girls were completely oblivious. Right. They had no idea. Thankfully, yeah. Had they been the age they are now, it would have been a lot more detrimental. Mm-hmm. But we sat on stage, and he gave his side of the story, and I gave mine. And I swear to you, it, it was silent. Oh, you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. The whole time we spoke. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I really didn't know how to take it at first. But I, and I don't want to say they were impressed, but they were shocked. Well, we had so many people after it was over come up to us and thank us. Yeah, these are kids, high schoolers. Yeah, come up and thank us for telling the story. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it's because there's so many people that deal with it that don't know how to handle it and don't know, uh, you know, whether it's it's them or someone in their family. Yeah. You know, and they just don't. You know, they've never dealt with it, and they don't know how to deal with it. I know what I was going to say. Okay. I remember right after you were arrested, I mean, the day you were arrested and got to come home, the next day, yeah. Jameson, she always had, like, respiratory problems. Like, well, not problems, but she always would get, like, little infections. Right. And the next day, she got one to where she could barely breathe because she was just so chugged up. Mm-hmm. And we had to go to the pediatrician to get her breathing treatment. Yeah. And so... You and I went together. You were in the middle of a draw. We went together to take her to the pediatrician. And on the way there, we both talked about how we felt like we had this thing over the car. Oh, yeah, like a spotlight. It's saying addict, addict, addict. And for the longest time, even after we moved here, I felt like we walked... You know, like the little Sims people mm-hmm. that had the little tag over their head. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Like mm-hmm. you had this glowing tag that said addict on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember picking up her, her stuff through the drive through pharmacy thinking we should we probably know him here. Yeah, yeah. You had never gone, remember? You're right. like, I've never been here. Yeah. One of a few. One safe pharmacy. Yeah. But that was the stigma is. It can be lifelong unless people will let it go. Mm-hmm. And let it go. Well, I say let it go, but you really have to earn it mm-hmm. to let them yeah. let you go. And, you know, there has to be a drive yeah. to want to change what you're living through. Yeah. This is bad. What all did you ruin in your body? Oh, my gosh. Testosterone. Your testosterone was lower than mine. Yeah. Your thyroid is completely thyroid, shot. Thyroid, yeah. There's something else that will move. I hate, well, the doctor's like, I can't believe you have a liver. Yeah. I can't believe this still works. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you aren't dead. Right. I can't believe that either. Because of the the total amount of milligrams you took a day mm-hmm. was deadly. Every yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Every day. 
So, I mean, whatever these people are going through to maintain themselves without you know, slipping into withdrawals, mm-hmm. they're killing themselves on the inside. Yeah. So just remember, these people are not, they're not wanting to die. Right. Or they would die. They, they would just stop it. Mm-hmm. They, I promise you. But they, they just want help. Yeah. I guarantee you if someone offered them something mm-hmm. and like walked with them, every single person walked one with, you know, one on one. Right. And, it, you know, the whole accountability with the NA and the AA, mm-hmm. how, how effective do you think that was? Zero. He had, he had to go through that for the court. Yeah. I think it was a combination class. Yeah. It was not. It was a joke. It was. That I guess maybe one that's like not court appointed would be better. Well, yeah, my, mine wasn't required. I thought it was um, to before court, like yeah. you were making an effort to go. Right, right. I voluntarily went um, before my sentencing. But it was the only one. Um, now I was required to go to classes on Saturdays for like four weeks. What was that about? For what? For. Well, I remember. See how effective it was? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know what happens at a celebration recovery. Yeah, I don't either. Do you know? Never been. I do know that everyone there is supported, and they're all at church. Mm-hmm. Or celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery. Yeah. But I don't know anything outside of that mm-hmm. that is actually really effective yeah. in... in uh, Accountability. Well, you know, one thing that would have really helped me get through all this was when I was going through it, I thought, nobody I know knows what I'm going through. Right. I mean, they just don't. Right. If you haven't been addicted to narcotics, you don't know what it's like. Yep. And, and you know, if I had had someone back then go, hey, I used to be addicted to pain pills I know exactly what you're going through, and I want to help you get out of this. Those shakes only last for a couple yeah. of hours. You know, man, that would have that would have meant the world to me. You know, I have I really don't have a, an exact clue other than the, the little bit of irritation I went through after yeah. that one time. But after watching you, I think I could walk by somebody and go, "Just hold on, mm-hmm. just hold on." Yeah, I know that they're easily accessible, but. The other side is so much more rewarding and yeah. so much better. Yeah. And you don't have, you're not a slave to this thing that you have been. You yeah. don't have to do this. Right. You know, you made the choice to attempt or try this, whatever it is that you're addicted to. Mm-hmm. You have the choice to put it down. And, you know, I yeah. can help you through this. Yeah. But. You know, the, the nice thing is when I went through this, I mean, things were great with us, like finances and yeah. uh, all that. In the past three or four years that we've been in the gutter, I've had zero desire to <laughs> go back to that lifestyle. That's good. Yeah. That's like, that's remarkable, actually. Yeah, it is. I haven't drank anything either. I mean, if anybody was going to yeah. choose to become an alcoholic, it should have been me. Yeah. But I'm good. Yeah. It just proves that my brain doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I just want sleep and stability, and that's all I'm addicted to. But 
if you guys know of anyone that is addicted, especially to drugs or alcohol or or whatnot, and um, man, I'm always available. Yeah. To, to talk or email or the email for this podcast goes directly to his phone. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the reasons I went through that is to help people now that are going through that. We really haven't had an opportunity to uh-uh. be other than the the students that right. one night and then you know a few individuals that we've mm-hmm. spoken to but they weren't addicts they were just interested parties right and what we had been through but he would he would be such a good coach mm-hmm. i mean if you're gonna actually call you anything and be a coach because you need someone that knows what's going on you know the physician i go to now um was a former is a former or is a former narcotic addict he still goes to na and uh and i like him and and we've got a really great friendship um but i like him because he knows i mean he's been there he's done it he's he knows what i've gone through um, because he went through the same thing and so i mean i just can't express enough how much it helps to have somebody that's been through it yeah on your side yeah i don't know that you would be as um well, a secure mm-hmm. in your where you are now if you didn't have him yeah. to actually bounce things off of right. and to understand what you've gone through, mm-hmm. what we've all gone through. He, I mean, his his marriage completely busted. Oh yeah, because well, they were just different than we are. But yeah. I think I, I know that's that's why though. That's what he shared with us. That's why. Yeah, but. There's no way I would have left you to the mm. wolves to try to navigate that by yourself. I'd have ended up dead. I know you would have. And my kids needed a daddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have to have a husband. Yeah. But, you know, I love you enough to put myself out there, too. I mean, your addiction became mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were one. Right. So I took it on myself to learn and to understand and mm-hmm. because... I want you here for my kids. Yeah. My kids. Our kids. That's right. <laughs> we call them my kids. You but, know, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, Jim Gaffigan addresses that. Yeah. And he said, you know, if you think about a, a woman and it's remarkable about how a baby grows inside of her and then, then she delivers the baby through her body and then her body is able to feed the baby. And he's like, you know, and guys you know kind of left out here it's a choice there too yeah you choose to be to be in that kid's life you don't have to be yeah we can talk about parenting one day like he said you know i mean what the what the dad do he contributed for five seconds i mean doing doing the one thing he thinks about 24 hours a day exactly so yeah yeah i mean when we were born our fathers weren't even in the room right so i mean you weren't even needed except to drive to the hospital yeah possibly yeah but anyway is there anything else we need to say before we have to pick up the children I don't think so um book's about ready yeah that's exciting oh here here's the thought I've been telling him for the past couple weeks this is how I'd like to end this one but if you are an addict Mm -hmm. your goal for every day until you die is to be better today. So when you wake up in the morning, 
you're better than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. You're better today, better today. And that's how you need to focus your attention. Yeah. Your it, today could have sucked really bad. Mm -hmm. Truck could have caught on fire. It may have. Yeah. But when you get up tomorrow morning on Wednesday, it's going to be better today. Yeah. Someone asked me, we the last episode we recorded, I was in a real funk. Mm -hmm. I was coming out of it, but it was you could probably tell in my voice that it was crap. It was a bad day. Yeah. Whatever. But someone asked me. I think it was our best friends, but asked me how I was doing and I answered her with better today and I thought that's my new goal mm -hmm. every day I get up and I need to, I'm not even going to think about yesterday mm -hmm. I'm worried about today I'm going to focus my attention on the hours in front of me get through them and be better tomorrow too yeah so anyway that's that's the theme for this one yep better today yep I think we hit about all of it. Yeah, if you don't have any questions about addiction, I mean, yeah. and watch your kids, really watch their screen time because when I say that the addiction is real mm -hmm. with technology, games, yeah. game consoles of any kind, anything that turns their brain on and they they stay at it for more than a couple of hours, mm -hmm. I think even that's too long. It's probably time to intervene. Yeah. There's an intervention waiting to happen. I mean, just pay attention to to everybody mm -hmm. in your lives that if you notice a change of some kind, ask. Yeah. Ask. Yeah. And then on the mm -hmm. addict side here, just open your mouths. Mm -hmm. You don't want to live this way. Right. There's a better side. Don't just say right. Tell and me. It, well, it may not <laughs> seem like it, you know. It may not seem like there's a better side. It's not instant. No, it's not, but it's definitely achievable. Also, let the addicts recover and look at them as they are not an addict. Or give them, don't give them that, that identity. That one part of them does not define who they are. Yeah. That's one thing I want everyone to take away from this. Yeah. I mean, that would. that's like if... Um, Whatever your deepest secret sin is uh, in your life, you know, let's say that were exposed and the rest of your life, everyone looks at you as, oh, you're a whatever, you know, um, I mean, that's what it's like. All right. I know. And so and, don't do that. It, yeah. And they, people that do hold the that above the addict they um, I don't know they seem to have something of their own yeah that they don't want to expose right. I mean it's just it just gets real ugly but don't let it define somebody right I mean that's uh, that's not even anything close to what you are you know in, in church uh, when we went for Easter our pastor was talking about how Thomas in the Bible is known for doubting, mm -hmm. and he, he, you know, he could have done a ton of good things. Exactly, that's in what his about life, to say. You know, but we all know him for that one thing. Yeah, and uh, he was good enough to be called by Jesus. Yeah. So, right. you know, all the good you ever have done before mm -hmm. and after was completely wiped away for some people. Yeah, it's like, and will be for the rest of my life. It will. It will. And we just have to just mark them out, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <gasps> oh. 
whatever. Yeah. Luckily, the two of us are very secure in who we are as people and yeah. a couple. And yeah. it, it it only affected us when we were going through it. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, just get over it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's good, uh, good talking to you guys. Thanks for hanging around and listening to us. If you want to email us, you, well, for anything, yeah, you can email us at theringerpodcast.com. And that's, I mean, we have a contact form yeah. there. Like I said, it goes to Rusty's phone. But the ringer with the W podcast.com. And we're also under the same handle, the ringer podcast on Instagram and Facebook if you want to follow us. If not, fine. It's fine. That's right. Um, anything else? I don't think so. Okay. I feel like we're leaving something out. We probably are. Okay. Uh, next time, I really don't know what we're going to talk about because I think we've gone through all of our storms. Yeah. We can find something, I'm sure. Well, we're, well, we're probably about to enter a storm. So, no one else. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Holy cow. I just lost my breath. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time. We'll figure it out between now and then. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you.